Hello, everyone. Welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you've joined me today. I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. I'm conducting a series titled Jesus, the Great Storyteller. And of course, what we're doing is we're studying the parables that the Lord Jesus shared during his earthly ministry. And of course, a parable is just a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And Jesus uh, started many of his parables by saying, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like unto. And so we can study his parables and learn a lot about how the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven operates. And so his parables are very, very important, very important to study. So Jesus, the great storyteller. Also, in his parables, the uh, prophet in the Old Testament said that Jesus would open his mouth in parables and reveal things that had been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So I tell you, that's reason enough right there to want to study and understand Jesus's parables. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you missed any of the previous sessions, I'd like you to I'd like to invite you to go back into our archives and you can get any of those and listen to them and they're available to you. And I think that they would be would be helpful to you. Now, uh, uh the first session I did some introductory uh material on parables and then we studied the parable of the sower and took two sessions for that. And uh, that's the most basic parable Jesus said. If you want to understand all the other parables, you, you need to understand that one. So that's available to you in our archives if you want to go back and, uh, and listen to it. And then last uh, week, we talked about the uh, parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed. And uh, I, I think there was some rich material in there and some things I shared in there about... Uh, uh, some personal examples that related to those parables that I, that I think would be a blessing to you. But uh, today I want to pick up with the new material. I want to talk about the uh, parable of the tares and also the uh, parable of the dragnet, the parable of the tares and the parable of the, uh, uh, of the dragnet. And they're very similar, but we can learn some, some things about the kingdom of God by looking at these two parables. So if you would go in your Bible to Matthew, the 13th chapter, the Ma uh, Matthew, the 13th chapter. Now the parable of, of the tares is only found in Matthew's account. It's not found in the other gospel accounts. Uh, many of the parables are in the other gospel accounts. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tend to do more work with the parables than John does, but uh, but anyway, when, there, when a parable is given in more than one of the gospel accounts, it would do you well, as I've been saying, to read it in all of the gospel accounts where it's available to get the full picture of what's going on. And uh, But anyway, this one, the parable of, of the tares is only in Matthew's account. So let's read it. Matthew 13, verse 24. Another, another parable, and again, a parable is just a story. It's a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth. So a parable he put, Jesus put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, well, see, there he says it. So we're going to learn what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like by looking at this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed a good seed in his field. So there again, seed, seed. 
uh, it's interesting. The, the first parable that we studied, the parable of the sower, was all about, you know, the word of God being seed and the preacher was the sower and so forth. So talking about seed. And then we looked at last time the uh, parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed. So I tell you, the king, one thing I think we can conclude is that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, you know, as I said last time, the, 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 the natural realm came out of the spiritual realm. So if we understand how the natural realm works, the, the spiritual realm is really very parallel in many ways to the natural realm because the natural realm came out of the spiritual realm. The natural realm came out of the spiritual realm. So there's many parallels between the two realms. So if we understand how the natural realm operates, we can understand, you know, get a lot of insight to how the spiritual realm operates. And that's why Jesus would tell a natural story, something that people could, could you know, could, could relate to. And then it would illustrate a spiritual truth. But one thing that, that's, that's jumping out at me right here, I mean, it's just jumping right, it should be jumping right out at all of us, is that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, same thing, uh, to, to understand how it operates, we, we need to look at and make a study of how seeds operate in the natural realm how seeds operate in the natural realm. Because look at the first the first uh, parable. It was a parable of the sower had to do with seed. And then the parable of the growing seed, the parable of the mustard seed. Now we've got right here in this, this parable here, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So, you know, we, we, we need to, we almost need to, to study a little bit about farming to understand how the kingdom of heaven operates. I mean, because there's, there's so many parallels, Jesus talking a lot about seed, planting the seed, planting it in good ground, uh, uh, you know, uh, cultivating the seed, you know, uh, uh, and, and then giving it time to grow as we talked about last week and not becoming frustrated because it's not growing as fast as we think it should, or not trying to understand as we brought out last week. You know, Jesus talked about the, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a man plants seed, and the seed, you know, we do our part to plant the seed, but then the seed grows, and he brought this out last week, Jesus did. We don't know how it works. We don't know how it all works, but but the seed grows. And, and so, you know, again, seed, we need to understand about planting the seed cultivating the seed, planting it at good ground, cultivating it, giving it time to grow and so on and so forth, not becoming frustrated because it's not growing as fast as it should and all of that. We need to understand some things in the natural, if we'll understand some natural things, if we'll understand in the natural realm how, you know, some things about seed time and harvest and all that, we can better understand how the kingdom of heaven operates. Very powerful. Anyway, he said this, Matthew 13, 24, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in his field. And don't always be thinking about, as I've said to you before, I want to reiterate it here. Don't always be thinking about when I talk about sowing seed, don't always be thinking about giving an offering. Now, as I brought out earlier in this series, 
in I think it's I think it's second it's in Second Corinthians. I want to th- say the tenth chapter, but anyway, Second Corinthians over there in Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul he does talk about how the giving of finances he likens that unto sowing seed. So there is absolutely, absolutely a major truth in the giving of money is like planting seed and there absolutely. But in the hyper prosperity stuff that that has gone on here in the country over the last several decades, it's very sad that when a minister talks about sowing seed, so many people right away think about giving money. And there's far more to it than giving money. That's just one aspect of it. But, you know, there's so much more to, I mean, the seed in the Bible is primarily likened unto the word of God, not to money. Now, there is an application to money, but primarily it's the the seed is the word of God. Jesus said that very clearly. So don't think when we talk about sowing seed, just thinking about giving offerings, because there's far more to it than that. That's just one aspect of, of, of sowing seed. Now, with that said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, this is parable of the tares. Or we could say, uh, uh, I guess we could say uh, the parable of the weeds. I guess in my own words, a, a tare would be like a weed. All right. Parable of the weeds. All right. Here we go. So this guy, he plants good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way or planted weeds in there. But when the grain was sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. The weeds also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares or weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? In other words, you want us to go pull up all the weeds? (laughs) Now, if my wife was listening to this, She'd say, hey, man, yeah, go pull up all those weeds. I've got to tell you a story right here. I'm just, I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> there, I've just got to do it. They're on our grounds at the church with beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, piece of ground where the church, where the church was. It still is. And I tell you what, when we were there, it looked like Shaw's Botanical Gardens just about. I mean, it was, I mean, it was beautiful. We, you know, it's God's property. We kept it looking sharp. And my wife, she is, she's a horticulturist. I mean, she is, she's, she likes flowers and plants and she loves it. And, and, uh, so, so anyway, when we bought that, the church bought that property and, our, and where we live, she does the same thing. My house, she's got flowers and plants. It's just beautiful. And, and, uh, but she, she likes it being weeded. She, she doesn't like any weeds growing anywhere. And I, and I say amen to that unless I have to be the one pulling them. <laughs> but anyway, we had to just, it, I mean, it's just beautiful grounds. The, the church, you know. And so, but it's a lot of work. It really is a lot of work. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. Sometimes, I mean, you get done. And we had, we had some good volunteers over the years that helped us. 
because uh, one person couldn't maintain it, you know. And so, uh, but but I mean, there's so so many flowers and plants and pretty stuff going on there that you know you work you work you by the time you get start on one end and you get done on the other, it's time to start back on the other end again where you started in the first place. So anyway, I said all that to say this: there was this fella that he had he used to attend our church, but things had happened and he had he he had I hadn't seen him in a long time. I don't even know all what happened, but. But him and, his, him and his family were there uh, uh, quite a while, but then things happened and he wasn't, he, they, they didn't come there anymore. And I hadn't seen him for a long time. But anyway, so I get a call on the phone and he says, he says, Pastor Terry, he said, I got in a little bit of trouble with the, with the law. And he said, they have, they have uh, sentenced me to, uh, I, I think it was, I don't know, I think, I think he had uh, 20 hours 30 hours, I don't know what it was, of community service. And he said, could I come and serve that time at the church? I'll do whatever you need done there. And it was acceptable for the court system for him to come to a church or something and do his community service. He said, all I'll need, all I'll need at the end is a letter saying what I've done. And so I said, surely come right ahead. We've got, you know, we've got enough to to keep you to keep you busy, and so I told our, our one of our head volunteers. I said, uh, "This guy's going to be coming and volunteering some work for us." And, uh, and and when I told the head volunteer that he he was happy because this is heat heat of the summertime, and and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to put him out there to work weeding," you know. As my wife, I mean, she's got it just it's beautiful. It's got to keep those weeds pulled. And, and, and rightly so. Okay. As long as I'm not the one having to do it. Anyway, so this guy comes to do his community service. And it, the way it worked out, he was there for two, it was two weeks. And I don't know, it was 40 hours. I don't know how, but, but it was two weeks of work where he's working about, I don't know, I guess it was maybe four hours a day or whatever. I don't know, whatever it was. And so after two weeks, it's time for me to give him his letter. So I, I was arranged a time to meet him at the church. And he'd been pulling weeds now and doing all this yard grounds work for two weeks. And I remember the day I met him, it was like it was like 100 degrees. And I meet him like, I don't know, one o'clock in, in the afternoon. And I pull up to give him his letter. And he's coming up from the back. And I mean, he's just, and we're talking, this guy's probably, I don't know, 38, 40, 42, 45. So he's not that old of a guy. And I mean, he's walking up. And I mean, he's just sweating and he's just going on. <laughs> and he says... He says, Pastor Terry, he said, let me tell you something right now. He said, you, he said, this is, this is a job. This is not a one man job. He said, or even a two or three man job. Now, he'd been working for two weeks out there weeding and whatnot. He said, you need a whole team of volunteers from Shaw's Garden, Missouri Botanical Gardens to take care of this place. He said, if I had known if I had known it was going to be like this for the last two weeks and all this weeding and work, if I had known it was going to be like this, he said, I would have just taken the time in prison. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'd have rather gone to jail than have to do what I did out here the last two weeks. So anyway, so whatever I... <laughs> <laughs> so whatever I think read this parable of the terrors I think about him you know weeding anyway let's get back to it 
Thought I'd tell you a story there. I told you a parable of my own. What's the spiritual significance? I don't know. It's better to go to jail than to weed than to weed for my wife. I'll just I'll just joke it. Okay, let's get back. I thank my wife. She's. I tell you what, if it wasn't for her, things would not be as beautiful as they are around my house and around the church. And if it wasn't for her, there we would never had the church built or my house or either one of them. Thank God, she's. She's always been the wind there that's kept my sails blowing, and thank God for it. I, I love her to pieces. Anyway, wonderful blessing. But if she ever asks you to weed, you, you might consider checking into the local jail for a while. No, 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 I'm joking. Let's get back to it here. Okay, uh, so let's, what are we talking about? The parable of the tares. So this guy plants the seed in the field, and the enemy comes in and plants weeds, and now the weeds are coming up, and the servants say, do you want us to go pull up the weeds? And this guy who owned the field, he said, no. He said, lest while you gather up the tares or the weeds, you also uproot the wheat with them. Now, now I know I've been joking around here for the last you know, five or so minutes, but now we're going to get real serious. You need to underline that because this is going to answer a very serious question that we need to get the answer to. Verse 29, because the, the guy, the, the good man goes, plants the good seed, that the enemy comes in and plants weeds, and now the weeds are coming up, and the good man's servants come in and says, do you want us to go out and do some weeding and pull up those weeds? And the owner says, no. I get this. He said, lest while you gather up the weeds or the tares or the weeds, you also uproot the wheat with them. Oh, underline that. Highlight it. Stop, put stars around it. Do whatever you have to do. Because that answers a big question. So we'll get to it. We'll say more as we go. He said, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares of the weeds and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Well, power, some powerful, powerful things Jesus said, right? I mean, packed with dynamite power. I mean, my goodness, some things. He answers some things for me. Oh my gosh. Now, we'll get we'll get to it, but let, let let's 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 read on here. Now, if you drop down to verse 36, now he's going to give the explanation. Remember Jesus would share the parable with the multitudes or whatnot, and then when the multitudes would disperse, on some occasions he would give an in-depth explanation to his uh uh, disciples, or to anyone who wanted to stay around and be a, what I call a stay after Christian. If you don't know what that means, go listen to some of these previous sessions and you'll see what it means. I explain it and it, re, it, it pays great dividends to be a stay after the service Christian. But watch this. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went to his house and his disciples and, and went to the house and went into the house and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Talking about himself. The field is the world. 
The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. See, in this case, seeds not not money here in this case at all. But the tares are the weeds are the sons of the wicked one or the, of the devil. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Wow. Could you see how that natural story he shared uh, uh, gives us insight into the spiritual realm and into the kingdom of God? My goodness. Verse 40. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. Now watch this. Where do those weeds wind up? They wind up in the fire. So it will be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's talking about hell. That's talking about the lake of fires, what that's talking about. Then the righteous, now watch this, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Wow, powerful. Powerful. Now, before I get into telling you some of my thoughts here, let's let's go over to Matthew. Um, well, actually, we're in Matthew 13. Let's uh, drop down to verse 47 and pick up this parable of the dragnet because it's it's very similar to the parable of the tares. And again, this uh, this dragnet parable is is only found in Matthew here 13 verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like, see there it is again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, uh, every kind of, uh, of every kind, uh, a fish, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels and threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them, the wicked, into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So, these two parables basically talk about the the same thing. And in them, you see, you certainly see... uh, Satan, the devil's work in the fall of mankind. You see that. You see that evil people will eventually be dealt with. I'm just reading from my notes, but just hold on. I want to really talk to you about this. And the the central truth here, now the central truth of the parable of the tares or the, the weeds, as I've said, or the dragnet, is that the wicked will ultimately be dealt with at the end of the age. And of course, the righteous, how are we, how do, how does anyone become righteous? The Bible says that we're righteous. We become righteous when we repent of our sins and place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him. So we see that the righteous are going to shine as the, what did the Bible say? Shine as the sun and so on and so forth. And the wicked will be, who is a wicked person? A wicked person is one who rejects the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, when you come right down to it. But be that as it may, the wicked are going to wind up in in hell or the lake of fire. 
and they'll be dealt with at the end of the age. And the righteous will shine forth as the as the sun. And, and all that's there. It's all powerful. But here's here. I, I mean, and we see that again. The righteous will shine forth at the end. The wicked will wind up in the lake of fire at the end. But but here's the thing that really I mean it it, it just it, it it jumps out at me and it answers a question because. I have been asked this question as a pastor so many times over the years. And here's the question. People will say, Pastor Terry, why doesn't God do something right now about that evil that's going on? Why doesn't God deal with those evil people? Why doesn't he just eliminate those evil people right now? Why doesn't he just wipe them off the face of the earth right now? Why doesn't he just... You know, why, why doesn't he just do that? I've been asked that question many times over the years by many different people. And Jesus gives us the answer. That's why I was making such a big deal about it. He really brings it out in the parable of the terrors. And it's go back to Matthew 13, verse 29, when uh, that good farmer, his servants come in and says, hey, you want us to go pull up all those weeds right now? And the farmer, the, the good farmer says, no, lest while you are pulling up weeds, you uproot the wheat, the good stuff with them. He said, let them grow together until the, the harvest. And at that time, we'll deal with those weeds. They'll get burned then. But if, here's the, here's the thing, if you were to pull up those weeds right now, you're going to hurt the wheat. In other words, see, it's a natural realm, but we learn about the spiritual realm. Here it is. If God were to wipe off the face of the earth, all the evil people, he would hurt the good people in the process. That's what I take away from this parable. And it answers that question, Pastor Terry, why doesn't God just wipe all the evil people off the earth right now? Well, if he were to do that right now, Jesus answered it. He would hurt the good people and destroy them as well. So he's not going to do that. He doesn't want to hurt, you know, hurt the good, righteous people. God doesn't want to hurt anybody. I mean, he wishes everybody would repent, but some people aren't. And the ones that won't, if he were to deal with them right now, like you and I wish that he would sometimes, you know, we're, God, get you know, wipe that evil out right now. Well, if he were to do that, he would hurt he would hurt the good people as well. So, see, we need to understand that. We need to realize that, and that I mean that answers a, that that answers a big question for me personally, and it's the answer that I've given to so many people when they come to me and they say, you know, why doesn't God just deal with that evil right now? And, well, if he were, you know, I'll say this to people. You know, good people ask me the question, why doesn't God just wipe the evil people off the earth right now? Well, if he did, he'd hurt you in that process. So he's going to let them both grow together till the end. And then at the end, he'll, he'll deal, he'll deal. He will deal with the evil. He will deal with it. He will deal with it at the end. He will deal with it. Don't ever forget that. You know, it makes me, uh, it makes me think, uh, 
uh, about the book of Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. And the people had been saying over there that it was vain or useless to serve God. And if you go, you might want to turn over there to Malachi, the third chapter. And they were talking among themselves and God was listening in. And don't ever forget that when you're talking and grumbling and going on, God's listening. Or when you're, you know, talking to somebody, questioning God, he's listening. And that's what these people were doing. And they were good people in the book of Malachi that were doing this. People that loved God. And, and I, I, let's just read it. He, here in Malachi 3, verse 13, God says, your words have been harsh against me. This has to do with this parable here that God will ultimately, see, if he were to deal with the evil people right now, he'd hurt the good people in the process, so he's going to wait. You know, and he's, people that do evil, they're not going to get away with it. They're ultimately going to be, we see they're going to go into the lake of fire if they don't repent. But here in the book of Malachi, some good people had been serving God, but their, their words became harsh against God because he said, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it's useless to serve God. What profit is it that we've kept his ordinance, that we've walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. Even those who tempt God go free. And you know that as well as I do. We've all seen it. Looks like, you know, people who are trying to serve God and do what's right. A lot of times they get kicked in the head and, and thrown under the bus and all kinds of things. It looks like and they never advance, never get promoted. But the people that are, you know, are evil and wicked, it seems like they go to the top and prosper and and that's what these people were grumbling about amongst themselves. So, you know, we're doing everything we know to serve God. And, and we're, we're not, we're not, doesn't look like we're going anywhere. Getting, it's, it's useless, looks like. But these, these wicked people, looks like they're just advancing right along. And God listens into that. He says, your words have been harsh or stout or harsh against me. And then, and then in verse 16, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. And so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And, and the Lord says, they shall be mine, says the Lord, on the day that I make them my jewels. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then, notice then, this is, at the time of judgment, in the day of judgment, then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Malachi, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be uh, stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, uh, that will leave them neither root nor branch. My goodness. So you say, well, why doesn't God deal with all the evil right now? Well, if he did, as I said, as Jesus said, it would hurt the good people. But God will ultimately deal with the evil people. Absolutely. Those who won't repent. And the people in the book of Malachi, you know, we just read it. They said, you know, we're, we're, doing, the good, we're doing the good stuff. And living for God and love God and think upon, upon him and meditate on him. And we're just, all these evil people look like they're just advancing and going on. And God says, wait a minute, just hold on. I'm going to have a book of remembrance written. And just wait, just wait. I put in my own words now. God's just saying, just wait till the end. And, and when the end comes, just like with the parable, when the end comes, then you discern again 
between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who doesn't. Because the one who doesn't serve God is ultimately, I mean, ultimately going to go into this oven, into this lake of fire. So you may think that, you know, you're living for God and God's not paying any attention and, and you're just doing what's right and seems like nothing's going right for you, but you're doing the right things. And you think God's just like ignoring you and nothing's going right for you. And all these other people, they don't love God. They're not serving God, but they're just going up, up, up and away, you know. But God says, just wait a minute. Don't let your words be harsh against me. Just wait till the end and, and, and wait till wait till after judgment day. And when you're standing there as a servant of the Lord and he has he has prepared great blessing for you and you're walking in that blessing in that hour and the people who wouldn't repent and are evil are in the lake of fire. And then you'll again discern between the righteous and the wicked. So no, God's not going to deal on a mass scale. Now he may judge some people individually here and there and you see that in the Old Testament or he may even judge a group of people here or there. You see that in the Old Testament. You see that. You see, you, you see it even in the book of Reve- Revelation to, to varying degrees with those with five of those seven churches in, in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. But on a mass scale, if God were to deal with all the evil people on a mass scale, it would hurt the righteous. So at the end... There's going to come a judgment and the righteous will be separated from the wicked and the wicked will be pulled aside and they'll be judged and sent into the lake of fire. And then he says, you'll again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not. So let's do what the Apostle Paul uh, told us to do and admonished us to do in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. He said, judge nothing before the time. Until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts of men, then each one's praise will come from God. In other words, what he's saying is, you know, don't judge anything before the time. You just keep serving God, doing what's right, you know, and maybe you're there and you're a a, a wheat, if you will, (laughs) a stalk of wheat, growing good stalk of wheat. You got all these weeds, tares around you. God's not going to wipe all those tares off and pull up those weeds because he'd hurt you in the process. But at the end, I tell you what, he will separate the, the wheat from the tares. In that parable of the dragnet, he'll separate the good fish from the bad fish. You don't want to be a bad fish. He'll separate the good fish from the bad fish. And the bad ones go into the fire. The good ones get the blessing and shine as the, as the sun. So let's judge nothing before the time, before the judgment. And, and and then in that day, when God does the judging, then he'll deal with the evil. He, he really, really, really will. And uh, just looking at my notes here, you know, it talks about, I, I think this is worth mentioning. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them the judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Uh, what, what I take away from that is, is that, is that, yes, sometimes God does deal with a, a, an individual. 
and sometimes you'll see someone that has done wrong and God deals with them and they're, and they're judged down this time. You see over in the book of Acts, it just comes to mind. I think it was Herod who gave that speech and, 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 and the people praised him as God and he accepted that praise and the angel struck him and he was eaten with worms. I mean, there are those instances in the Bible where God does judge somebody in the here and the now, but, but, uh, but, 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 uh, and sometimes, you know, God does deal with people in the here and the now. Sometimes, he doesn't deal with people in judgment until 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 later at what we would call the the day of judgment or the time of judgment for them. And likewise, good. Likewise, good. Sometimes people, God will reward them in the here and the now, and they'll reap some blessing in the here and the now. And that often does happen. But but I tell you what, I, I, if you think about it, I thank God for the reaping of good things in the here and the now. But but sometimes God doesn't reward us till later. And really, if you think about it, that's a better reward because if you get rewarded later at the day of judgment, that's eternal versus getting rewarded now with, with material things. That's, that's temporal anyway. But the point is, is that God does not uh, wipe out all the evil right now because if he were to do that, he'd hurt the good. But there is a day coming. Let's judge nothing before the time. Let's wait for that day. You just keep doing what's right. Just, you know, don't let your words be harsh against God and saying, you know, it's vain to serve God. Why doesn't God deal with these, these evil things around me? Because again, if he did, it would hurt you. Just let things, let things go on down the road. Just keep serving God. You may see God judge somebody over here, judge a group of people over here, you know, but on a mass scale, he's not going to do it until the day of judgment because it would hurt all the good people. But there is a day coming, as I keep reiterating, remember, repetition is the seed of learning. And uh, he will judge with, he will judge the evil. He will separate the wheat from the tares. He will separate the good fish from the bad fish. And he will, uh, 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 the, the, the good ones will shine as the sun, but the bad ones will go into that, into, into the lake of fire. So don't judge anything before the time. And again, realize that, yeah, sometimes he does deal with things, with people, they reap reward or judgment in the here and the now, but very often it doesn't come until later. So don't, don't, don't be a judge of those things. You just keep serving God. And, and I'll close this by saying, uh, what God told to Habakkuk, the prophet, of the Old Testament, Habakkuk, because God had showed him that in that case, in that time, in that day, God was going to use the evil Babylonians to bring judgment on his own people. And sometimes God does that. Now on a mass scale, he's, he's holding off judgment till the very end. So he doesn't hurt the righteous, you know, with the wicked. You know, you understand that. But be that as it may, uh, in the day of, Mal, uh, I'm sorry, of Habakkuk, God showed Habakkuk how he was going to judge uh, his own people because of their sin that they wouldn't repent of and use the evil Babylonians and, and, and Habakkuk cried out and questioned God on that, why, why he would do that. And, uh, and basically what God said to him was, you know, hey, you know, I just put in my own words, he, he basically said, uh, you know, the Babylonians eventually will get what, what, what they deserve. And Habakkuk was not to question all of God's ways, but just to continue to live by faith. And that's what God told him to do. And that's what I'm telling you to do. Live by faith. Okay, so I trust this helped you today. 
And, and if nothing else, I think the major question that it answers is why doesn't God deal with all the evil in the right here and the right now? It's because if he did, he, he'd hurt the good. Simple as that. So, so again, don't, 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 don't. I tell you, I've had, I've had a lot of people over the years, as I said, ask me that question and they get hung up right there. You know, there's, it's possible for people to get hung up on something and they can never get past it and it hinders them uh, spiritually even the rest of their lives. I've had a lot of people get hung up right there. They don't understand why God does it. A lot of them don't understand why God allows evil in the first place. And that's a whole nother lesson. It take me a whole nother hour to go through that. So I don't want to get into that right now. But, but they'll get hung up right here. Why doesn't God deal with all the evil right here and now? Why, do, why doesn't he do it? And they get hung up right there and they can never move past that. And, and I'll run into them 10 years later and they're still hung up right there. Why does it, you know, I've even seen people get hung up on an issue, on a question like this, and they'll stop serving God or stop attending church because they, you know, you can get hung up on certain things. And, and, and I've seen a lot of people get hung up right here. Why doesn't God just wipe all the evil out right now? Why doesn't he do it? Why doesn't he just stop Putin right now? Why does he just wipe all that out right now? Uh, the only answer I can really give, and I don't understand at all, but for him to wipe out the evil... And like I said, sometimes he does deal with folks in judgment. But for him to wipe it all out, evil on a mass scale, he's going to hurt the good. So we learn that from the parable of the tares. So let's just, uh, let, let's just know that it's not vain to serve God. And we just wait. Don't judge anything before the time. And we just, we just continue to serve God and do good. He keeps track of all, all of what we do good in our, in, in that book of remembrance and, and, you know, we may realize we may not get our reward, all of our reward or, or even the vast portion of it here in the now. But at the judgment seat of Christ, we will. And that'll be an eternal reward. And in the meantime, just keep keep on keeping on living by faith and doing what you know to do. And don't get hung up on that question of why doesn't God deal with all the evil here in the now? Because like I said, he doesn't want to, he doesn't, he doesn't deal, deal with it now because he don't, doesn't want to hurt good people like yourself. Okay. So I trust this helped you today. Hey, we'll pick up with another parable or uh, some more groups of parables next Sunday. If you're, uh, if you're listening to me and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to repent of your sins and receive him as your savior. Uh, I want to make it clear. There's nothing you can do in and of yourself to be saved, to miss hell and make heaven. The Bible says, for by grace we're saved through faith, not of ourselves, not of good works, lest anyone should boast. So there's no good works that we could do. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness that we've, that we've done that, that we're saved, but we're saved by his grace, his mercy, God's grace and mercy by repenting of our sins, humbling ourselves, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus, receiving him, and that's how we miss hell and make heaven. So do that right now. If you've never done that, just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I receive you as my Savior. And that fast, you can change your eternal destiny from that of the lake of fire to uh, that of heaven. And God will make your life worth living in the meantime. So uh, receive Jesus today. And then uh, don't be a terror be a wheat and go on down the road serving him. And, uh, and, and I tell you what, 
He'll he'll write your works down, you know, in, in I just feel impressed to say this. Look, you don't get saved by good works. You get saved by God's grace. But once you're in heaven, you'll be rewarded for good works. Absolutely. So again, you don't get to heaven by your good works. You get to heaven through receiving Jesus and and, and by God's grace. But once you're in heaven, then God will open up that book of remembrance and you'll be rewarded for the good things that you did. So heaven, you don't get to go to heaven based on good works. That's a free gift by receiving Jesus. You see, he bought that for you with his blood. You understand that. And if you don't, I just told you. But once you get to heaven, then the book of remembrance gets open that we read about in Malachi. And then God will reward you for any good that you've done. Praise God. And, uh, and and I got to tell you, if you're out there and you don't repent of your sins and you don't come to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, there's going to come a day where you're going to wind up like those terrors in that lake of fire. And you don't want that. So again, repent of your sins, receive Jesus. And, and I tell you what, he'll save you and, uh, and he'll make your life worth living. Well, God bless you. And again, I trust you've enjoyed this. And, and, and this has been a blessing to you. And I'll see you next Sunday. Okay, bye-bye.